Welcome back to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, a show that's by sports PTs and for sports PT professionals. We're here to accelerate growth in your sports PT career while giving you the tools to provide your athletes with game-changing results. Here's your host, sports physical therapist and practice owner, Dr. Yoni Rosenblatt. Today's conversation with Dr. Andrew Livingston is an eye-opening one. We cover how to afford life while treating elite-level athletes in the outpatient setting. Andrew has done an awesome job of getting a very high-level education and then getting out and trying to figure out and navigating the waters of how to pay off that education, living the lifestyle he wants to lead, and achieving the financial goals he set out for himself all while treating the population that he's dying to treat. And he will talk very specifically about how he managed those things and then how he chose to grow within the company to take on more responsibility, to expand his earning power, and ultimately his job satisfaction. There's a lot of nuggets in here that are super worthwhile and I think is just great to hear from a vet like Andrew Livingston and super applicable to physical therapists of all levels, of all styles, and the truth is any graduate from any high-level graduate program needs to understand the economics of what it takes to go into their desired field and to achieve at a very high level. Andrew's going to help us out with that. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Andrew with Dr. Andrew Livingston. Dr. Livingston is a graduate of Lebanon Valley College, both undergraduate and their doctorate of physical therapy program. He played defensive end there for close to five years. We dig into that. He then moved on to a sports residency at St. Francis University in Pennsylvania, uh, and then he completed his SCS certification. He joined True Sports Physical Therapy right around 2019 as a staff sports physical therapist, now has grown all the way up to a regional director, overseeing clinics in Bel Air, Maryland, York, Pennsylvania, and Lebanon, Pennsylvania, with plenty more to come. A lot to learn from Dr. Andrew Livingston. Want to thank him for his time, and thank you guys for listening. This show is growing by leaps and bounds. We're always excited to hear from you, so please Leave us a review wherever you're listening to pods. Shoot me an email, Yoni, Y-O-N-I, at truesportspt.com. A lot of our topics are designed based upon the feedback that I get via email or direct message on Instagram, truesportspt. Find us, hit us up, give us show ideas, give us feedback, tell us how we can get better at this so we can better serve you, the sports physical therapist. You're going to love this conversation with Andrew Livingston. Welcome back to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. I got Dr. Andrew Livingston here with us. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Liv, there's so much I want to cover with you. Um, And even just in our prep for the show, there's so much I've already learned from you, um, both about the field of physical therapy, as well as you specifically. Um, So I can't wait for you to share some of this with our listeners. Um, to the thousands of sports physical therapists across the country and really across the world. Shout out to our Israeli listeners. Um, Let's start with a massive problem within the field of physical therapy that it seems like you've really figured out. And I think the way you have tried to figure this out and have figured it out is going to be enlightening 
to all of our listeners. So here's the problem I see with the PT profession, that the entire thing is upside down. You pay a tremendous amount amount of, amount of money to get your doctorate degree. You come out of graduate school, and I don't understand how we are expected to pay off our loans or really just make enough money to support a given lifestyle. Uh, with It's just not straightforward, and that's why I think the whole thing is upside down. Now, I was lucky enough to interview you for your first role here Um at True Sports, and since that point, you've kind of figured that equation out. So, talk to me about how you solved for how much you can earn versus how much you seemingly owe to get this degree. Yeah. So, like you said, the whole thing is is pretty backwards in what is expected of us. So, I don't know if I figured it out, but there's a different a bunch of different strategies you can use to figure out what the game plan is going to be for paying back loans. Um, really, the two main strategies that most people work on right now are either living at home, keeping your expenses to zero, and then putting everything you have into those loans to pay them down as fast as you can. Um, that's not realistic for everybody. Um, the other end of it is push all those payments off as long as you can and take out uh, refinance to get um, shorter, I'm sorry, longer payment time frames, but lower out of pocket in the now. Um, for me, I think early on, I tried to do the first. So I tried to really live minimalistically. And uh, you did that amazingly. <laughs> Give me an example of you living minimalistically. So that's a word. So this was residence <laughs> in residency, I was making 32k. Um, I was living in Crescent, Pennsylvania. Rent for a one-bedroom apartment was four fifty a month. Different time. Um, wasn't a great town. Uh, wasn't the worst. Anyway, I knew I was getting paid. I had to also pay at that point uh, one of my private loans back because private loans didn't care if you were in residency or not. You couldn't defer it. At least that that one at the time. And um, a big piece of me living as best I could was keeping shopping to the minimum. Um, Groceries, shopped at Aldi. Shout out Aldi. I need to get a sponsor. Big sponsor. They're a big sponsor of the program. <laughs> Thank you, Aldi. Uh, and I didn't do anything. I mean, at the same time, with residency, you're working 60 hours a week anyway, and then doing we stuff on the weekends too. So there wasn't time for me to actually spend a whole lot of money anyway. Um, and at that point too, I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge on um, finances really at all. So that was also when I started learning a lot, different podcasts and um, really through the internet on how to manage money at that point how to plan for the future how to take advantage of the money that you did have make it work for you and try to figure out the the big ways to get ahead at that stage in my life so okay let, let's take even a step back further that because obviously you were figuring that out with residency you go to lvc um you thought you wanted to be a pt but didn't get into a program right out of college correct right you correct. get to lvc to play football Yep, Lebanon Valley, mm -hmm. um, Division Three Dutchman, Flying Dutchman, Flying Dutchman. Everyone knows that. <laughs> um, and so while you're there, you're a crim major, and then walk me through what happens there because I think that's an important beginning. Yeah, I I went in, didn't get accepted to any programs, so I went um, to play football really and try to figure out what I wanted to do at that point. Everyone on the team was a criminal justice major, so I figured I would just join that. Okay, but Liv, you're a smart-ass dude. You went to residency. You're an SCS. How is it possible you didn't get into a program out of college? Or sorry, I, out of high school? I was in a 
a smaller high school. I wasn't top of my class. I was probably 20, 25th. Um, other than that, I, I didn't know. I had observation How small hours. Is this high school? 30, 30 uh, people? 250 in my class. Okay, so not bad. So not not huge, but not small. Um, yeah. I don't know. I had observation hours. Um, I don't know why I really didn't, didn't get accepted. My SATs weren't super high. Back then, everyone really relied on SATs before COVID kind of kicked that out. Um, so I don't know. But anyway, I, I didn't get in, so didn't know what to do. Just went to school to play football and figured I'd figured it out at some point. Um, during my my freshman year, I realized it wasn't what, wasn't what I wanted to do at all, and I didn't want to go through college not knowing knowing that I didn't try to at least get into PT school in the back end. So I switched to biology major because it was the most um, closely that closely uh, matched the prerequisites for PT school. And that was honestly harder than PT school itself at that point. What was your backup plan? You come out with a bio degree, you don't get into grad school. What are you thinking? I don't know if I had one. X- I don't know if XFL. I had a XFL. <laughs> Definitely wasn't that. Definitely, the XFL. Definitely wasn't that. Okay, so bio major, start, things start going well. You're like, hey, maybe I'll be able to get into LVC. Are you thinking at that point? No, because my GPA wasn't high enough. Um, so my GPA at the time was like a 3.4, and most PT programs wanted a 3.6 or a 3.8 to even apply. Um, ended up applying to a few anyway. I got two, uh, two acceptances. One was a new program, so it was kind of risky. The other wanted me to take an um, anatomy class in the summer, which was about $2,500. I didn't want to do that. And then LVC took a chance on me somehow and um i was one of the three um grad transfers that came into the program and they based that off how many people they lose through their first um their first undergrad portion of that program so they've already accepted a certain amount if someone falls out then they're like okay correct we have room for two more three more there's one year they didn't take any more because not enough people failed out um that was what happened at that point there has to be some secret there or something that you did like, what advice would you give? There's so many people on that bubble. How do you push yourself to the front of that line? I think just make as many commu- um, connections as you can. So, um, who, like, what, who, not who was that by name, but who was that by role that you were trying to connect with? I, when I was first there and I wanted to switch to biology, I wanted to switch to exercise science. Um, you weren't allowed to, fun fact, at the time, because it was reserved for PT students only um so i talked to a lot of the faculty at that point so they knew who i was they knew what i was trying to do i think that helped because they knew i was a motivated person three years later trying to get into the same program um i had recommendation letters from a lot of different people um a couple mentors that were pts at the time too that came from lvc that helped um i had one year of, of eligibility left i somehow had a decent uh junior year redshirt junior year so i had another year to play my coach maybe pulled some strings for me too um all those things i think led to me having an opportunity to get into LBC's program at that point. So you you played football your first year in grad school? Yeah. Yep. How the hell did you manage anatomy? Well, anatomy was in the summer. So I had the anatomy class before all that started. Okay. Um, but the semester itself was 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. was in class and lecture, and then from 3.30 till 6 was in practice, and then went home and ate and studied and did it all again the next day. Which is a joke compared to what you do now, so that must have been really (laughs) easy. Um, Okay, so you beg, borrow, and steal your way into graduate school at LVC. That's a good way to put it. But it worked, and and your advice there, just to sum that up, is you started networking. Mm -hmm. From a really early, young age, you realized it's not what I know, it's who I know, and you started just trying to know people, and you happen to be really good at that, that gets you into LVC. At what point 
at what point do you realize how am I going to pay this off? Or or did that not cross your mind? It it so coming through high school and even to college, everyone was very much like, oh yeah, you'll pay it off later. Like don't worry about it now. Everyone does this; they pay it off later. Um, I didn't really understand it until I was taking out grad school loans on top of the loans that I already had. And at this point, I had a little more wherewithal from being 17 to being you know 21 of, wow, that's $35,000 every single year now that I'm pulling out at a 6.5% interest rate. And, oh, yeah, I had a $75,000 loan from four years ago that had a 6% interest rate that I haven't touched to. Not to mention, I forgot, not forgot, but didn't realize that the government also had, when they say you have, uh, you know, federal student loans those are loans too and so th- that didn't really cross my mind until i was in grad school either so while i'm in grad school i'm considering all these things as i'm paying rent and working at the same time and um coaching and playing football and a lot of these things are going on trying to figure out how to start getting ready for those bills to hit i knew at some point it was going to come yeah but then you make an insane decision to make 32 grand a year doing residency yeah so I guess my question around that was, what the hell were you thinking? How's that for? Is that a good question? That's a great question. Um, what were you thinking? Really open ended. Uh, yeah, I knew my passion for wanting to be in sports was stronger at that point than it was for the thought of paying off those student loans, for better or for worse. Okay. Uh, and I knew where I was in my career at that point. I didn't have what I needed to do that well, um, and so residency for me was kind of the only, in my mind at the time, the only answer for me. Or else I'd be stuck in a mill that I didn't want to be in with no way to separate myself from, you know, Tom, Dick, or Harry. Did anyone try to dissuade you from residency? Yes. I had a lot of people wanting just to get me into a job. Um, Connections that were around me just wanted to get me into a job, which I I appreciated, but um, didn't have passion for. I was one of the only I was the only one in my class that did residency, I believe, coming out. So it was very like me talking to a couple mentors on what the heck do I do next, um, and how do I apply? Like, what is this? Yeah. Um, that was kind of where I was. Okay, so so far, you've only spelled out the worst case <laughs> or the best example of how upside down the system is. Yeah. Because you just keep accruing debt, mm-hmm. right? Thirty-two grand, you're paying for thirty-two grand. You're making a residency. You're paying four hundred fifty bucks in rent. You're living real slim. What the hell is your plan then? Yeah. How do you get out? So my plan at that point, um, I wanted to obviously get a job in sports. Um, I had a couple offers. The best fit, and honestly, the best offer was here at True Sports. So that made the most sense to me. I was really passionate about that opportunity and um, was a really good fit. So that's where I kind of started with, well, now I just doubled my income. Um, <laughs> this is luxury now. <laughs> um, so then it was like, what the hell do I do with all this yeah, co- you- quote-unquote extra money that I wasn't living with before? Gotcha. What are you doing with the loans at that point? So all but one loan was loans were in deferment because when you get a residency, you can go into deferment. My one provider didn't care and they wanted their payments anyway. Um, at that point, all of my loans turned on, activated to start repayment. Um, and I was paying at the time, probably as I started here, um, probably 15 to $1,700 a month in 
and that's student a, loan payments. And what's the length of that loan? And those, those, I mean, that one was 15. The others were 20-year loans. So you're looking at about 20 years of paying, let's call it 1500 bucks a month. Yep. And your thought process then mm-hmm. is to do what? My thought process then was to throw as much money at that as possible to either A, shorten that 20 years to maybe 15, um, but also another point that I didn't mention is I didn't have I wanted to re- refinance to get yeah. lower interest rates. Yep. The messed up part is they look at your debt to income ratio, and every answer that I kept getting was your debt to income ratio is too high, Be- so you don't make enough money to get a better interest rate to get yourself out of a financial situation. Even though you're making your payments and you're trying to do what's financially responsible and right. So they see, they see the future. They see the title of this podcast that the entire. <laughs> thing is upside down the entire ratio is upside down they're saying we're not gonna support that Mm -hmm. what do you think their rationale is on that who's they they being the banks that wouldn't um consolidate i mean it's risky if i'm looking as a bank perspective it's riskier right i mean all this debt how am i gonna make these payments this guy might not actually pay his loans why would we give him an easier time um i think you know which it sounds backwards it sounds kind of crooked but yeah um if i look at it from a financial standpoint i guess that makes some sort of sense it must the um, banks are never wrong they're never they, wrong they're they, they they the reason mistake. the world turns yes so okay so you cannot consolidate you're making 75 mm-hmm. you owe roughly 280 at the time 280 you're paying 1500 bucks a month 50 you're paying 1800 bucks a month for the foreseeable future What's your game plan? Were you okay kind of going to sleep at night knowing that this was the arrangement? Uh, it wasn't so much that I was okay. That was that was the reality. There's no escaping that. You can get you can go buy a car you can't afford. You can buy a house you can't afford. And you can get you can go bankrupt. And yeah, it ruins your credit for five, ten years, but you can get rid of that. You can unless you die, your student loans are with you. Um, so for me, my plan was all right, I'm going to hustle, make as much money as I can, pay these down to where my debt-to-income ratio is manageable, refinance, gives me more flexibility to have different strategies um, and go from there. What was that number that you had to get to? In- I don't know. Every three or four months, I would try again. I would, like, dump. I, and so that was what I had to pay. That's 15 to 17. That was what I had to pay. I would then I do Rover on the weekends. I would do random stuff. I'd watch people's dogs and houses. I would dump probably another couple hundred every paycheck trying to get that number down tell me what rover is rover is where you uh it's an online service that you watch people's dogs or animals or whatever they have my wife had a dog at this point and i remember thinking in my head like what if i just (laughs) get live to take care of this stupid ass (laughs) dog and just bake it into your salary i would have done it i know you would have done it sicko um okay so you're hustling like crazy Mm -hmm. adding on to that 1800 bucks then what ha- then what happens so then i was able to finally refinance these loans and so at that point they were six and a half seven percent a lot of them and i was able to spin them down into um i got lucky when i was refinancing the market was really good mm-hmm. um they were able to give me like three percent three and a half percent interest rates which still it's an interest rate but was half of what i was paying before so at least it slows the bleeding on the return um you know the payments that you're making right to the principal versus interest yep and are then do you keep contributing at the same amount yeah i kept contributing the same amount knowing that i can i can always make it less and lengthen it if i needed to Mm -hmm. but 
I didn't have any obligations at the time, and so I, I knew I wanted to pay down as much of that as possible. Yep. My philosophy on that is changing a little bit now as I learn more about um, passive income and time and compounding interest and things that I want to take interest in. So, But the nice part is because I put that work in four or five years ago, I can have more flexibility to do things now that I couldn't then. Um, as much as I complain about having to make payments now, at any point, I can switch to making a lesser payment, take it out to a longer interest rate, have more cash flow on hand to do different things with that. So yeah. if, I did, if I didn't do that earlier, I wouldn't have the flexibility to do that now. Okay, um, so, so that makes sense. Let's get a little bit more granular because mm-hmm. I went through this one time. Yeah, one time with my student stuff. When you say, hey, I would try every how, however many months to consolidate my loans, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? What do you, who are you calling? Rephrase that for me. Okay. Who are you calling to consolidate your loans? I honestly was online. I was online okay. with a bunch of different um, websites. So SoFi, uh, Earnest were two really good ones. LendKey was a good one that helped me out early on. Um, those are the big three that I found really helpful early on. They were more flexible with PTs. They worked a lot of PTs. Hmm. Um, and you just found them Google searching? They've, I've actually found them through, oh, I can't remember the name. There was this guy that came into PT school, and he was helping with this problem. Cool. Um, that's going to kill me. I can't remember what it's called. He's expanded that business now, and, and he's doing really well from my, my understand. His name is Joe. Joe something. Um, Find and, it in the show notes, Joe. Right. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> and he did all the le- – his wife was a PT. The story was his wife was a PT, had the same issue. Yeah. He had connections with all these lenders that were PT fr- – quote-unquote PT friendly. Um, they gave more um, lenient interest rates on different things. So I found those lenders through his website and his services at the time, which were free at the time. I think he might charge a little bit now for them, but it's still pretty low monthly like payment for what you're And he or someone like him can guide you kind of through this process and has the hookup on the other side. Correct. And, and maybe he's just like the middleman. Okay, so you get – you find that now you're working here, and then you're thinking in your head – what like what's what's the five year financial plan here for you? It was to either it was to make as much money as I could in a sustainable way. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that was at the time, I didn't I didn't think about it. But moving up the the ladder um, from a corporate standpoint, um, it wasn't on my mind. But that's the route I ended up taking. Um, I was also prepared to treat like crazy because I knew that's also part of our model too. Is yeah. if you want to treat, um, you'll get reimbursed for the time that you spend on that um and so I, there was a point in my in my career where i just treated like crazy and i loved it i love what i do so it made that easier um i was i was ready to do either or both of those things to make that um to make that happen okay so that's that's unique did you compare it to should i get a part a, a part-time job that was a, a very short time i looked at like doing um home health like leaving here on my hours that I was out and just mm-hmm. doing home health. Um, I just, I hated the thought of that. Um, it's good for some people. Some people do it and they do a, really, a great job of like getting extra income from doing that. I just couldn't do it um, with where I was at mentally. And Did you ever think of, was there ever a crossroads where you were saying, with an outpatient salary, I'm not going to be able to make a dent in these loans. Oh, yeah. Let me go home health or something like that. Yes. I thought about that, and but then I thought about how, well, the residency would have been kind of at a loss for nothing. Um, I would not have enjoyed what I do. 
I don't think I would be where I am now um, professionally. Um, so for me, it was it was a thought was there, but I never wanted to pull the trigger on it because I figured I'd find a way out somehow another way and what's interesting is you did you did find a way out uh, definitely at that point in our um trajectory or or history i guess we didn't have a clear delineated growth structure right it's not like okay here's a ladder you can climb and here's what you're gonna make and here's how you're gonna be in we didn't have that you were kind of just like right man right place willing to do anything i i feel like you know we had a clinic director leave and i called you and you're like yep yeah, I'm like, yeah, but it's in a clinic. You're like, I don't care. So you, I think you just kind of saw the opportunity yeah. and just kept jumping on it. So now describe where you are today, what you do, um, and essentially how you earn a living. Yeah, so um, my current title is regional director. Um, I have also staff, or I'm sorry, sports physical therapist. Um, that role is still important to me as well. Um, I oversee uh, facilities in our Bel Air office up in Northern Maryland and then our, clini- our clinics in Southern Pennsylvania as well. So York and Lebanon currently um, and growing. Um, what was the second part of your question? Second, qu- second part of my question is how do you earn a living? Like how yeah. are you compensated? What's the structure? The structure now is whoa you should yeah, know this no i know <laughs> I, i'm trying i'm trying to to verbalize it in a in a way that um is more concise so i'm compensated now by improving the growth of our clinics and the efficiency of how we run things um in the clinics that are um in place now and the ones to come in the future yep do you make a salary i do make a salary okay good do make a salary um do you have a bonus structure i do have a bonus structure as well okay um and and then talk to me about medical retirement things like that yeah all the great things about um obviously the bonus structure and then vision dental health insurance all that's included um pto which is awesome that we have in place now that increases as you um gain seniority seniority in the company um con ed which is fantastic and then i know we're working on some different things in-house for con ed too so there's a lot of pros with being where I am now. Yeah, and my reason for highlighting that obviously is selfish because I'm very <laughs> impressed by what True Sports does. But but also this is part of like an entire comp structure mm-hmm. and it's one that doesn't really have a cap on it, right? Like right. like you have the ability to just keep right earning and putting things under your umbrella appropriately. Um I like that because how the how else are you gonna pay off or have a chance Right. To really wrap your arms around this thing. And that was a big piece of it, too, is having the ability to expand that. Um, there's only so many hours in a day. Right. So, so being able to do more with that time is what I'm banking on as we continue to grow, obviously. Yeah. And, and just to spell that out a little bit further, um, no longer, like, you've done a great job of putting you in a position where no longer are you just compensated by treating the patient in front of you mm-hmm. by your 24 hours a day. But now you're able to be compensated for management, right? And right. so you earn more as your PTs earn more. And so based on the entire profitability of all of those clinics underneath you, you're able to just create more opportunities for wealth Correct. aggregation. Correct. Fancy way of saying That's a great more way money. to put that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Well, thanks for helping me design that type of plan. Now... What allowed you to have this growth mindset in trying to develop 
these roles with me because that's what transpired yeah i think a lot of it was just collaboration right it was it was the open expectation that we knew what we wanted to do but how do we put it into a system that worked um and i think there was a period of a year or two where we we had some growing pains with like where do we take this thing and um how does it make sense for everybody involved and i think we've gotten to a point where it where it works well um there was a lot of a lot of work that went into doing that and there was yeah. a lot of trial and error yep. um i think we hit a really good spot now with where we're at in terms of the structure of that where it allows for like you said that that exponential growth um and now we have a good structure underneath of it yeah and i think credit to you and, and a lot of our therapists which is having that growth mindset of saying hey there's something bigger on the other side of this um and the patients mm -hmm. to kind of see it through and being part of the solution right versus being like screw this crap right um and so I think that has gotten to us, gotten us to a good place. I also hope a couple years down the road, we're going to look back and be like, man, we're so much better off than, than we were then. Hopefully because we just continue to kind of grow and have that mindset. So let's, let's jump backwards a little bit towards your residency because now you're, you, Andrew Livingston, are starting to get back into the world of education, mentorship, um, you're starting up a sports residency within True Sports in collaboration with some other entities. So tell us a little bit about what you gained from your residency experience um, and maybe what you would have liked to have seen more of. Yeah, um, I had a really great opportunity to be in St. Francis University's sports residency program. Um, back then it was on campus, so I got to do probably 35 to 40 hours a week in the clinic treating um, and it was on campus, so a lot of their athletes, as well as some gen pop. And then the rest of the time I spent either doing research, which was part of the residency, um, teaching in their PT program, and on the sideline with their Division One sports. So I got a really broad experience with doing a lot of different things. Um, I loved that for where I needed to be in my, in my career. Um, I wasn't ready to treat sports coming out of PT school, and I knew that full well. And so what it did for me... How did you know that? Because I went to Exos, I had a I had a rotation to Exos, and I walked in the door and had no idea what I was doing. Um, and people were talking about things that I didn't understand. And like they, what? Uh, plyometrics and you're like, what's uh, a plyometric? Right, what's a plyometric? Um, what do you do with an ACL who's outside of four months? Um, how do I progress them off of a, a banded TKE, and how do I progress them off a long arc quad? Yeah. Um, and, I, and you have this, this when I was at Exos, it was great. I had great mentors there, um, great staff, great performance coaches who I learned a lot from. And when I was, I started having a lot of more, a lot more independence there. And I had this really high level guy and he's like, okay, what's next? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. And so those eight weeks there really opened up my eyes to understanding that I need more than what I had now. And I was only going to get that with residency in my mind. Um, I had a few mentors, but um, I needed to go through that in my mind to be where I, I, I wanted to be. And through that, I thought, and this is where I think some people fall into the, the trap of, uh, and not to, to talk down upon people who do this, because I think it's if you have the right reasons, it makes sense. Um, I thought at the end of residency, I was going to have all the answers. I quickly found out that I left residency with probably more questions than answers but I think as a clinician in a profession, you'll always have that. You're always looking to find the next answer, mm -hmm. knowing that you'll always have more at the other end of that. Um, 
And so for me, I left residency with, in my mind, a better idea of how to find answers I was looking for, know um, where those resources could be. And if I didn't have them, I could find them. And so that's what, in my mind, for me, what residency did was it prepped me for the next step, even if I wasn't fully ready or knew everything that I wanted to know, I could get there. Um, and for me, I wanted to get my board certification almost just more for me than, than almost anything else and open doors later on for potentially teaching and, and different, different, um, avenues like that. Crazy to think that you don't get into graduate school first go, right? You don't, you don't get into, uh, or you weren't necessarily prepared for sports world. So you, you kind of go the residency route. It just seems like the the barriers to entry aren't necessarily predictive or indicative of the clinician you're going to be 100 percent, 100 percent. which is why when when young clinicians and people who want to do pt ask me about it i'm super passionate about look i wasn't strong on paper my gpa wasn't great but i would do anything to get to what i had to do um i think that's a big difference on looking over resumes versus like getting into an interview i knew that if i got to an interview i would probably get the the role or the position how do you convey that how do you convey it on paper how do you convey it in an interview i think on paper i never figured it out but because once once i got like i said once i got if i could get an interview i was okay uh in person i feel like um I just connect with a lot of people. Uh, I don't know what it is. Um, not necessarily on a, on a deeper level or anything, but um, I'm, I'm motivated. Like for me, I want to do a good job for me, the patient, and everybody around me. Um, I'm much more of a team player than I am for myself necessarily. So I think people like that. Yeah. And so for me, it was way easier to get the role in, a, in an interview than hand my resume and I had a 3.4 GPA. Right, right. I, I mean... I'm the guy who interviewed you, so I can <laughs> I can definitely attest to that. Um, and then watching you once you join the clinic, I think you're you're never one to jump to yeah yeah, yeah I know that right. Um, and always willing to help out, cover without your handout, right? It's always what do I need to do for the team? And I think that's made you a great leader too. I, I know those who report to you now would definitely attest to that like they see your grind and now they're going to hear your financial grind on this pod if they ever listen to it <laughs> which is insane but um i think that i think that does go a long way um so it's just worth it's worth noting man like really the great surgeons that i have met time and again not all of them they didn't get into med school the first time around it's crazy That's insane. it's insane and and they're studs and i see that a lot with the p in the pt world also it's not it's not a given, sure, but it does happen. So I, I think it's like, don't be discouraged. They're just not testing the right things. 100%. And that's the difference between academia and, and the reality of the real world is just, it's not always going to show you what makes the most sense. Yeah. And so watching you kind of come along this journey, um, what year did you start here at True Sports? Uh, it was summer of 2019. 2019 so you've been here four years yep four years um and so i've gotten to see you add number one when you first came in i remember clinically i think you were sound you were rational um i remember giving you feedback like dude like don't get too fancy right like like 
kill the basics first mm-hmm. and like we had that conversation like once and then you started doing it which is which is great but then you started adding all this stuff that is not covered in grad school um the hiring the mentoring the reading a PL, the understanding the business side of things um and that's been super impressive so i want to dig into that you've made some really good decisions of therapists that you have brought on mm-hmm. underneath you um what is it in those interviews that you're looking for to predict this person's going to be an awesome teammate? Yeah, I think early on when it was just one clinic that I was in, I, I looked for someone that could complement what I what I couldn't do. Um, and so I think that early on is how I built a really good team around what we were doing. As we start to scale and I'm looking for different people in different roles, I'm still looking for some of the same things that I think I looked for for myself as I was interviewing passion number one if you're not motivated to be here I can't want it for you um is it something that uh is it a teachable thing or is it a non-teachable thing I think I can teach you whatever you want to learn from an academic standpoint but if it's a social skill that's a little bit harder to teach um if it's a motivation thing that's hard to teach unless I can figure out what you're like what you're motivated by those are honestly some of the biggest things that I look for um and then if you're from Lebanon Valley, you get some bonus points. Mm, you got a lot of Lebanon Valley. It's crazy. Um, I think you're right. I, I don't know where you got that, but I know I have struggled with um, clinicians or hires that I've made where I just felt like I wanted it more than them. And that's just that that is a massive hurdle to overcome. You're not going to overcome it. Right. I don't think. And, and I almost I almost I skim resumes just to see some background and like start conversation points. But I almost get too hyped up over resumes because of the highlights and then if i talk to someone i'm just almost disappointed yeah because it's not what i thought they were going to be energy wise and i did that for a while like when we were in in white marsh and i was looking for the right person at times and i i interviewed 10 or 12 people and none of them just made sense to me i think it's because i looked how really many of hard. those did we hire none well, okay good none, <laughs> none. <laughs> okay. um and, and it's because i i looked so hard at the resume and I was so impressed by the resume, and then I talked to them, yeah, and they and were like, just uh. duds on the phone, and it didn't make sense. And so I was then in a negative mindset about that person. So I, I look a little bit now, but I want them to tell me about it as I'm like reading through it, as I have it up on my on my computer, and I'm on the phone with them or on a Zoom. What do you have to see to call them back on paper? A, a DPT. Degree. That's it. Um, do you care where they went to school? Not really. No, because I no, I don't. I don't care where they went, where they went to school. Um, Sure, the CSCS is nice. I, I think there's there's validity in that. Um, but I've met CSCSs that weren't impressive. Um, I, I like to see sports backgrounds just because it gives you an idea of what the athletes that we're treating go through. Uh, I think to be able to relate to that helps you, helps them, helps everybody, and makes that thing makes that that process easier. Sure. Um, but again, we have some therapists that haven't played team sport not a lot of them but we have some therapists that haven't played team sports growing up but they can relate so well with the patient in front of them that and have the wherewithal to ask them hey what is it what is it that you do that i need to help you do better um to get back to your sport and i think if you can have someone again it's a soft skill i think if you have someone that can do that it doesn't really matter what their background was at that point yeah i think i think you're you're absolutely right it's like do they have feel and you don't know that until they're on the phone and it, I think it takes a while to get over the credential obsession. 
especially 100%. for a dude who works so hard for his SCS. Like you gotta imagine, I have to imagine that you're looking at a thing like, okay, they gotta have ATC, they gotta have SC, they gotta have something CSCS something. Uh, it's just not the case, man. There's so many clinicians that we have that don't necessarily have that that are absolute rock stars. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I would encourage, let me just think about like how I would frame this to those listening is you need to relay your level of passion upon application because you only get that first glance, right? That first glance of an email. So how would someone do that? I'm thinking cover letter, even though I've actually been reading like uh, newer grads are like cover letters are antiquated. I just think it's an awesome ability to shine and show that you're different, like to have your personality come through, or also maybe there's something that doesn't show up um, in a line item, it, like as a highlight, a career highlight, as a cert, um, that would go a long way. I think there, there's room there, and if it's not a cover letter, then it's got to be a resume. I hate when I just get resumes. I see, I don't, because it's just, it, I'm not a great writer. But there either. might be more. There but might be more. That's why I'm always doing phone like I'm always doing phone calls and then I'm always I'd like to have people in person, but yeah. um that takes a lot of time. But if you want to find the right person, you gotta do that, I think. Um I love a follow up email. Yes. Like a fair. thank you, follow up email or call or text or something like that. Just because it shows that it's on their mind, they care, they want to hear back from you. Um I've had plenty where I end a call or I end a um in person interview and I never hear from that person again. Yep. Um and I you know, maybe it's on me. Maybe I need to send more, yeah. more follow-ups for, for good, bad, or indifferent. Um, but that means a lot to me too. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, listen, I've gotten that. I've, I've also gotten, um, follow-up emails where my name is spelled wrong or, you know, like, um, I'll get crazy questions like how long have you been working at true sports or how do you like working at true sports addressed to me? So, I, I do my best to kind of hide my role within the company, but still, dude, like do a little bit of work and realize your role in the company. Also, even if I'm if I'm just a regional director, I'm pretty happy. Like, and I'm interviewing <laughs> you. So, so uh, the point is being able to learn from people in all their levels of communication um, during the interview process. A, it all matters. B, it gives us insight as to their professionalism. And really, their their vigor and excitement to be a part of it. One hundred percent. What are some other questions that you ask within that interview process? Um, one thing that I ask, both for residency and for just the straight job as a staff PT or, or clinic director, is what's your rationale for wanting to do it? Um, especially for residency, I, you don't want it to be something where you feel like you should do it. Um, whatever your reasoning is, that's fine, but it's a commitment from a financial standpoint and from an effort standpoint, it's a, it's a grind to be in residency. Um, so to do it cause you feel like you have to is different than I'm doing it cause I want to be a board certified specialist. That's awesome. That makes sense. If you're doing it because your buddy do it, who your buddy did it and, and now he works for a pro team, you know, maybe that's not the best way to go about it. Maybe it's leveraging, leveraging that connection versus going to residency maybe you're a better clinician than he was and he needed yeah residency um just understanding your why of what you're doing it from a residency standpoint and then same thing flipping it back to um, just as a staff pt why do you want this job is it um you love working with athletes is it the one-on-one is it uh you know you plan on being here for a year and then moving on after that let me know what your motivation is for that 
that helps everyone down the road um you us the entire team yeah for sure i love hearing about not just here's why i went through residency but here's why i chose this residency i know that at methodist i was going to work with astros i love baseball i love shoulder mechanics that's why i chose that versus um you know i wanted the scs i wanted to prepare for my scs i didn't think i was ready stuff like that because i know local sports quote-unquote residencies you're not with athletes and you're not working with high-level athletes or you're not in a training room and I have a hard time believing that that was your first choice to, for sports residency if your goal was to treat high-level athletes. So right. don't tell me that you working at the high school is helping you treat these elite-level athletes. Um, you know, Do your homework. I think there's, there's a lot there that you can glean. The way you manage – so now you're a regional director, so you're managing a whole bunch of physical therapists. You are prospecting and looking for areas of growth. You are developing relationships to increase referrals with inside of those clinics. You're also pretty financially astute. You also do a good job of staying fit and healthy. And my question to you is, how do you manage all these things? That's a great question. One day at a time. Um, No, I I think it ebbs and flows. It ebbs and flows. Um, There are weeks where I get to the gym once or twice. There are weeks where I'm at the gym four or five days a week. Um, Same with, you know, keeping up with, con eds um there are a few months where i'm not really into a whole lot of newer information um and then there are a few months where i'm really diving into different research and um really participating in our journal club and and things like that so it's definitely an ebb and flow and i don't have by no means perfected that but i think that's where i live uh, as semi type b type a you know i think i'm becoming more type a yeah but for better for worse yeah but i do feel like you do a good job of kind of dancing back and forth any uh, mental health practices or um, meditation what do you do to keep your mind right <sighs> exercise for me has been that way it's kind of like an escape um, that's why I don't work out in the clinics that I usually treat in just because it's such a a mental place where I still have to be working to a degree I'm always thinking about it so I try to work out in places that I don't work in necessarily just to help get that separation um, but exercise for me is a big piece of it and then sleep Weirdly enough, like I can sleep pretty well, which is surprising at times. That's amazing. That's um, amazing that you can do that. What's your secret there? Shut off. Just, I don't know. I, I, I've always been a good sleeper. I don't know. What a blessing, <laughs> man. That is a blessing I don't have. That That's amazing. Okay. So keeping up, like you, you've proven this um, so financial literacy. Mm-hmm. What kind of resources can you recommend to achieve that? Um, I have a list of some of the ones that I used early on. Um, Bigger Pockets, Real Estate, uh, How to Money was a great one. These are um, books or pods? These are podcasts, and I'm looking, scrolling through my, my library now. Um, the Stacking Benjamin Show, it's a lot of just like common sense stuff that I, I didn't know. Um, and then after doing some of these things for you know a few years, it makes a lot of sense. I got a financial advisor. Um, oh, yeah. That, that was a big help for me. He, I remember the first day we met, it, he was like, hey, do you have X, Y, and Z in place? And I'm like, nope. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, well, before we can really even do anything, you got to have X amount of dollars here, Y amount of dollars here, and uh, a backup, like a, a safety net, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were some of the big things early on financially that helped me just get established um, that I didn't know about. And I, I think for me, it was, it seemed like everyone else knew these things, and I had no clue. 
So I don't know. I feel like I'm back on par with a lot of people. Maybe I'm not. Uh, I think it's different for everybody, and everyone's baseline is a little bit different. Um, but I'm always trying to learn more about what should I be doing if I want to do this. If this is my goal. How do I set myself up to be able to do those things in you know, five how, to ten years? How did you find your advisor? Uh, actually, he's um, the advisor of a buddy of mine who's also a PT. This guy deals with a lot of PTs. Oh, cool. So, And he deals with a lot of PTs that are in PA and Maryland. So, And because I'm now in both, it makes a lot of sense to take advantage of different um, um, tax things and, and things of that nature. Uh, anytime I mention the idea of having a financial advisor, everyone's like, Duh, I don't want to pay for that. So so how do you kind of cross that bridge and how do you pay, how do you pay for it? So I have a really good my – one of my best friends, he's in um, – He's really good with money. He's in industrial real estate, uh, does really well for himself. And him and I talked for a long time about me just doing it myself. And I, mm -hmm. I learned a lot, but I won't get into too much detail about what it was. But then I was, I was talking to my, financial, my now financial advisor about something very specific. And he said, well, did you know that you can do this mm -hmm. to avoid the taxes on X, Y, and Z or make it um, legitimate? And I'm like, nope. So now, like, you just sold me on, you're you're my guy. Yeah. Um, because I didn't know what I didn't what I didn't know. Sure. And he's been doing it for a long time. Um, he doesn't get freaked out with different trends. He knows what works works. And um, to stick, he's kind of my opposite. I always tell people he's my opposite of, I want to be aggressive, and yeah. he is very much like, I hear you. I'll let you be aggressive with this, but. 85% of everything else we're going to be conservative with because we know it works. Yeah. How do you pay him? Um, I believe he gets a percentage of what I um, generate over the course of the year. So it's a fee. Okay. He gets a piece of profits? Yes. What if you guys lose? God forbid. That's a great question. I need to ask more of those questions. Okay. Yeah. Ask those questions. Um, I know a lot of it's kind of runs the gamut. A lot of mm -hmm. advisors will charge a given percentage of what they manage. Right. Period, right? So it still incentivizes them sure. to win, um, whatever that means, because they get a percentage. Usually that percentage is in different buckets. The more they manage, the less percentage. Um, it's kind of like agents and draft picks. Like the higher draft picks give their agent a lesser percentage. Right. So um, standardly, you look to be in that 1% and below right? Um, as a fee. So just think about that. But, but then they're also, and I, you know, I have this conversation a lot how worthwhile it is to have a planner not necessarily take that percentage of whatever it is he's managing but if you don't necessarily have the monies or you're not going to be investing actively with him um to just pay for a plan and that's the first thing that you kind of had which were which you mentioned which was gotta put money here gotta put money there here's how you get safe here's where you could be risky a lot of advisors will sell that plan right um and i would highly advise it same time i have a buddy who's a dentist who laughs at me for paying the percentage because he's like, why don't you just manage it yourself? I said, because I work more than four days a week. You don't because you're a dentist because his margins are way better. So um, he has the point is he has time to dive in. I really don't. I right. wouldn't be able to sleep if I was if I was doing my own finances. So, okay, if that's your where you get some financial information, and thanks for those resources, talk to me clinically. Where do, where do you go to get smarter? Yeah, I mean, thankfully, I'm surrounded by a lot of PTs that are really hungry for information. So I get a lot of it from just being in the clinics with them, um, whether it's different um, styles of treating, different methods here and there. Um, JOSPT is a great resource that I get pretty frequently, different papers from. Like, uh, again, I'm fortunate enough to have the ability to read those 
pretty well, thanks to residency, in my opinion. I wouldn't be able to read that before residency. I just don't understand uh, a lot of that verbiage a lot of times if, if I was coming straight out of school. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of podcasts I listen to. Uh, Best PT Podcast. Um, what else do I have here? Strong by Science is a good one. The Mike Reynolds Show was great. I know he has a, he has another one on that he has now. I can't think of the name of it. I think it's the Sports, sports. PT Podcast. Yeah, it was. yeah. Um, Not to be confused with True Sports. Exactly. And honestly, with being in the residency world, just being so close to the, the academia side of things, you're still getting whispers of all those from students. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? And I have time to dive into those papers. Um, so it's it's coming from a lot of different places. Um, I think that's, that's how it should be. I think it should be from physicians. It should be from uh, PTs. It should be from all these different outlets because in the grand scheme of things, your treatment method is a combination of all those things too. And if the patient doesn't buy into what that is, none of it matters. So I think meeting the patient where they are based off of your experience and, and the things that you're learning are um, an art that eventually you kind of figure out how to do. Yeah, it's just an art. And you get better, and you're going you're gonna to make mistakes. Yep. Um, but having that humility and growth mindset around it um, to, to kind of bounce back. Uh, you ready for a lightning round? Oh, boy. No, but let's do it. Let's do it. What sport has the best athletes? Um, it's not a hard one. It, it is because I think there's two answers to this. There's an all an all around great athlete, and there's an athlete who's great at what they do. Right? Like, I think some of the best athletes are lacrosse players, and I hate to admit that now, but being in Maryland, a, a lot of them move really well. Okay. Um, at the same time, if you look at a defensive end, they're pretty athletic in the NFL now. They're six. They're six five. They're three hundred pounds. They run four sixes, um, but they can't shoot a lacrosse stick. They can't, we don't they can't know shoot that. Ball. That's true. Um, so I, I think um, I'm going to say probably an outside linebacker. Th- that's neither of the I, two. I you know mentioned. it's not. But as I thought about it more, I'm going to say outside linebacker. Why? Uh, they have to cover uh, in space, and okay. they're also in the trenches at times too, depending okay. on the defense that you're running. Okay. Here's my counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Athlete isn't just bigger, faster, stronger. It's also coordination. Now, is there some of that there? Yes. But to your point with the shooting the lacrosse ball, mm-hmm. not a stick, um, there's far more dexterity. There's far more fine motor skill in something like that. There is no fine motor in outside linebacking. That's not true. Come on, tell me what it is. Hand What's placement. the fine? Get out of here, dude. Placement. Yeah, I've heard this argument. But that's not that's still gross motor. You're Fair. punching. Fair. You're striking. Fair. As as my linebackers <laughs> teach me, I think. Um just keep that in mind. That's why the right answer to this question is I think it's the NBA shooting guard. Really? Big, long, rangy, offense, defense, reactionary, fine motor skills, gross motor skills, got to be springy, court vision, know-how. I like that answer. Thank you. I would disagree, though. Yeah, but, okay. <laughs> but you haven't said why. I, I, Who's better? There's so many What can't they do? There's so what many can't they do? There's no contact involved. Uh, there, I, I shouldn't say that. There is not as much contact involved as other sports. Um, I think you talk about motor control and strength. 
Yes. There's less of it that gets in that's relevant to that. Um I at that point looking at martial artists, okay. um, grapplers, intrinsic hand placement, again, maybe not as fine dexterity wise as shooting a little cross ball yeah. on a stick. Very good. Um I mean, conditioning is fantastic. Mixture of contact, strength, footwork, movement. The the Okay, I hear that. The only thing is that another point to you, to your point or support of your point would be have you ever seen an elite level shooting guard squat? They can't move. No. They're so I stiff know. and it's because they're so goddamn springy. Right. But that's that would be the knock. That would be the not knock. the not the contact or the strength. What Those guys are giants. What was your question? Best athlete. What's your term for athlete? Is it something? I who's think good it's fine everything? and gross. Yes, fine motor skills, gross motor skills. And that's a great combination. It is. I mean the the really high level. I think long poles. Yeah. I mean they're just they're big, they're mm-hmm. fast, they can hit. Yep. And to have I guess the proprioception to know where the head is on top of that stick. It's so far away right. from them to just throw it up in the air and be and just know where it is. Some of them score. Like, that's pretty impressive. I could get on board with that. There just aren't that many. There aren't that many of right. them. Right. Um, and we live in Maryland, so I think it's just like the silo. No one else plays lacrosse. True. Definitely not in Long Island. Okay. That was question one. There you go. That was lightning? That was, man. That was lightning fast. Yeah. That's my level of athleticism. <laughs> From a PT perspective, what is the biggest misconception of outpatient physical therapy? I think the biggest misconception is that you need heat, ice, and stem. I freaking hate that. Um, this is not skilled care, and I think it takes away from what we do. Um, I think it, I think it dampens the profession. Um, and you're seeing, and I think it dampens the profession. This is a bigger topic, in my opinion. And you're seeing strength coaches start moving into this realm of um, injury prevention and injury addressing injuries. And so it's like, if we're not advancing and we're still doing heat ice and stem like we did in the '80s and '90s. What are what are what's our profession doing? Um, insurance isn't paying for it as much anymore, if right. at all. Right. Um, and they can do it at home. Do you think it is the conception of, let's say, applicants or new grads that yet that is a part? Like, have we broken that stigma yet, or no? We as true sports. Yeah, we as sports PTs or PTs. Yeah, I, I think in the world that we're starting to live in, yes. Yeah. Um. There are some patients that are like, "Hey, where's heat, ice, and stem?" But I'm getting less That's of patients, that. Yeah. And same with with PTs. Like where I'm, I used to get, "Well, where's the you're right? Where's the the ice? Where's the heat?" Yep. I'm like, well, "We don't have that here." And yep. I'm not getting that anymore. So I think people are either a doing their homework more, uh, or b understanding that that's not part of what really we're doing in this world anymore. Yeah. In the sports realm, at least. Yeah. I also think maybe maybe a close second would be that it's impossible to find a place that does one on one. It's very hard. And is in network, right? So yep. so I think that is a misconception. Like yep. they are out there. You just gotta search. It is doable and still being in network. Um I just had a great conversation um with uh Danny Matei, who's a um consultant, a business consultant for cash PTs. Dude couldn't believe that we treat one on one for forty five. He couldn't believe it. He's like, Yeah, <laughs> 
that's a problem for for cash right pt but but we are out there like constructs yep. like us are out there um we just have to we have to finesse it a little bit we have to like figure out how do how do we afford um the facilities and the talent and yep. like figuring that out and, f- and and finding talent that cares more about quality of care more about time with their patient than necessarily every single goddamn dollar um but you know we're here trying to create both uh next what are you reading i uh, just finished gary v's 12 and a half Ooh, good it was very good yeah because um it was really introspective on on a guy who's a big name in the business and like media world and i appreciate that and it was easy for me to apply what he was talking about in this book to what i do on a day-to-day basis when it comes to like managing people and working give me with one example of what you took away and added to your management so, style. so the book's called 12 and a half um and he talks about these 13 traits that are required to in his mind be a good leader and the half is the one that he's not good at and so through the different traits he talks about how um he he what he, why he thinks it's important and then why he thinks and how he uses it um and just for me I think some of the things that he's good at, I'm not great at, and vice versa. Um, so to, to hear someone say why they're good at what you're not good at just helps me figure out how to be better with the trait that I don't feel like I'm great at. What are you not good at? Um, I'm not great with, I'll be very upfront, confrontation. I don't like confrontation. Um, I, I think for me it's, I try to be, I'm a, I'm a servant leader, um, and so that's like my, that's my negative is like I can't do something for someone basically with the book it's good to see how someone else addresses their weaknesses and you can see maybe that you're good at that and how they handle not being good at something else to get ideas on how to become better at the traits that you're because Gary Vee is good at a lot of freaking things he is um what he say he's bad at you don't remember there was one word I can't remember what the trait was um was it tact I think it wasn't tact. I forget what the, name, what the word was, but um, no. But he went into detail on like why he feels the way he feels about that, how he handles that, how he acknowledges that he's not good at this trait, and he's upfront about it. It's pretty. That is pretty amazing to to such a overachiever to have the wherewithal and the even the humility to come out with something like that and just say, "Hey, I'm not perfect at everything." I think. Um, I wonder if he would have done that. 10 years ago or so um just man he has just been hard charging for year forever while now forever yeah Yeah, it's amazing and and the you know the heights that that he's reached so you did pretty good there with a lightning round despite all of our tech difficulties yeah um okay so tell the audience of sports pts how they can get a hold of you yeah so you can get a hold of me on instagram um i have a really long handle it's andrew j livingston pt um on instagram that's really the biggest platform I'm on. Uh, I want to get in, in, into TikTok now, but I'm holding off on it for now. That's the best way to get a hold of me is on Instagram. Um, again, Andrew J. Livingston PT. Um, that's really it. Where can they s- send you a resume? Give them an email. Resume, my email is andrew at truesportspt.com. Feel free to send me a resume there or just even uh, email me the chat. Always looking forward to it. Watching kind of your evolution through your career thus far has been awesome to see you've taught me a ton both from the financial literacy standpoint as well as the clinical standpoint what it's like going through residency and what i've gained most both from this conversation and just working with you in general is your ability to just stay even it's awesome and um 
it's something that I strive to kind of put in my arsenal because that that is not my nature. But I'm trying to learn from you, um, and that's that's just a that really did come across in today's conversation. So thank you for your time, thank you for your patience, thank you for staying even, because like the sky was falling in during this podcast, and you're just like chill during the whole thing. A, a testament to who you are. It's a great skill. So thanks for everything you have brought to True Sports. Thanks for making yourself available. Thanks to everyone who listened. Hopefully you gained something. Let us know what you loved. Let us know what you want us to improve. You can always reach me, Yoni, Y-O-N-I, at truesportspt.com. I want to see your resumes, but I also want feedback on today's episode and what you want to hear more of. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye-bye.